Mary redeemed a $50,000 cash prize playing Chumba Casino online. I was only playing for fun, so winning was a dream come true. Chumba Casino is America's favorite free online social casino. You too could have the chance to win life-changing cash prizes. Absolutely anybody could be like Mary. Be like Mary. Log on to ChumboCasino.com and play for free now. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. The voice of the preceding commercial was not the actual voice of the winner. This episode is powered by Poddex. Poddex are unique interview questions and episode starting prompts in the palm of your hand. So whether you're a new podcaster or existing broadcaster looking to grow your audience and have more meaningful conversations, you're going to want to check out Poddex. Now, if you want to get 10% off your order right now, you can go to poddex.com and type in coupon code, what's the code? Larry21. Yes, that's the code. Check out poddex.com. Take your podcast to the next level. Welcome to the Talkin' Texas Rangers podcast, where we dive into the latest rumors and news surrounding Texas Rangers baseball. Welcome to the Talkin' Texas Rangers podcast. I'm your host, Larry Glees. Today, we're diving into the latest headlines from Globe Life Field. But first, we'd like to thank our sponsor, Game Time. If you're looking for the best valued tickets for your next Rangers game or Dallas Mavericks or Dallas Stars game, check out Game Time. We'd also like to thank Audible for sponsoring this episode. If you want a free audiobook at your choice, visit audibletrial.com slash Larry21. And now on to our first topic. The Rangers have signed Dallas Kuchel to a minor league deal. The Texas Rangers have signed free agent pitcher Dallas Kuchel to a minor league deal. Kuchel will be joining AAA Round Rock. Kuchel is a 34-year-old left-hander who won the American League Cy Young Award while with the Houston Astros in 2015. After the 2018 season, he signed a one-year deal with the Atlanta Braves, then signed a three-year $55 million deal with the Chicago White Sox after the 2019 season. Kuchel was excellent for Chicago in 2020, bad in 2021, and even worse this year, ultimately being released by the White Sox after putting up a 7.88 ERA in eight starts this year. He was then signed by Arizona, who released him after he had a 9.64 ERA in four starts. He'll presumably be depth in AAA, and hopefully we won't need him in Arlington anytime soon. And now, our thoughts on a shocking 4-3 Rangers loss. How many times can the Rangers play the same game? The series in Oakland was sort of the Rangers season in microcosm. They followed that up with a series opener in Seattle that feels like the 20th or 25th version of the same game the Rangers have played over and over this season. And if you start from the starting pitcher, a good but not quite good enough job by the bullpen, a late rally that fell short, with all of us lamenting the opportunities that were missed. Glenn Otto seems like 
seems likely to end up in the bullpen long-term. Oftentimes that is the case because a pitcher is a two-pitch pitcher and doesn't have the repertoire to go multiple times through the order. That's not the issue with Otto, though. Otto threw five different pitches last night, with his sinker most often at 27%, and his slider least often at 16%. On the season, he's thrown his sinker, slider, and fastball each around a quarter of the time, with his knuckle curve and changeup roughly evenly split for the remainder. When Otto came to Texas in the Joey Gallo deal, his slider was considered his outpitch, which was the all the more remarkable because he had just added the slider that year. The slider has been less effective this season and against the M's. He generated just one whiff out of the 13 times he threw it. Otto ended up with an outing that was fine. Three runs allowed and five innings pitched, five Ks, one walk, a bases loaded wild pitch that gave the M's their second run of the game, only six swings and misses in 82 pitches though, which won't play long term. If you want to know why Dallas Kuchel was signed to a minor league deal by the Rangers, concerns about whether Otto will be able to continue to give the Rangers innings and the potential need for someone to potentially fill the Jordan Lyles role from last year, a veteran to provide innings if they aren't good. So the pro spots don't have to be left out there to get hammered. I'm sure the Rangers hope they won't need Kuchel, but they've got him behind the in-case-of-emergency break glass window. We had the rare instance of Brock Burke appearing mortal as Burke, after retiring the final two batters of the sixth, loaded up the bases with one out in the seventh on a single walk and a hit by pitch. A Carlos Santana run scoring ground out for the second out ended up being the difference in the game. Santana hit a chopper to third on the ball and it wasn't well struck, which makes it harder to turn a double play. Ezekiel Duran double clutched before throwing the second base, which didn't help. Though Santana might have beat it out anyway. Dennis Santana was brought in to face Eugenio Suarez with Chris Woodward not wanting to let Suarez face a lefty. And Santana struck Suarez out on three pitches. So maybe he's back, or maybe he's not. Who knows? Jose Leclerc struck out the side in the eighth, all swinging, and also walked Adam Frazier on four pitches and threw a wild pitch. Only six hits for the Rangers, which isn't going to win many games, even when half of them are for extra bases. Four walks to go with the six hits helps, but eh. The Rangers seem to be in position to do some things in the third when Ezekiel Duran and Josh Smith each single to start the season. A force out put runners on first and third, a wild pitch scored Duran, and then a walk and an E6 sandwiching a Jonah Heim flyout. Loaded the bases with two outs for Nathaniel Lowe. Lowe had a double and a homer in the game, but neither came in the third, as he instead grounded out to end the inning and the threat. An Adolis Garcia homer in the sixth off of M starter Chris Flexen made it closer, but otherwise there was very little going on between the third and the late innings. Garcia walked with two outs in the eighth, then was caught stealing to end the inning. Nathaniel Lowe then let off the ninth with a homer, which can send one into a what-if spiral which we're not going to do. The low homer was followed by a Laoti Tavares single and a Cole Calhoun walk. This, of course, is a familiar scene for Rangers fans in 2022, with the Rangers making a late rally to get close. In this case, Ezekiel Duran struck out, Josh Smith popped out, and Marcus Simeon grounded out, ending the game and providing yet another one-run loss. 
Like I said, feels like we've seen this movie a couple of dozen times this year. Glenn Otto hit 94.8 miles on his fastball. Brock Burke touched 95 miles on his fastball. Dennis Santana maxed out at 98.3 miles per hour on his sinker. Jose Leclerc hit 96 miles per hour with his fastball. Nathaniel Lowe had a double that was 100 miles off the bat, harder than his home home run, which was 98.7. Cole Calhoun had 104.2 miles per hour lineout. There's another game, and perhaps the Rangers will not have a one-run loss in this one. And that also brings us to our next topic. How do the Texas Rangers fix their one-run dilemma? You know, we got some ideas. Like we said, the Rangers fell 4-3 to the Seattle Mariners on Monday evening, dropping their record to 43-52 on the season. The salt in the wound, however, is that they are now 5-22 in games descended by a single run this year. Teams are not supposed to be 5-22 in one-score games especially not in a sport like baseball, which is so fundamentally dependent on chance and things going your way every once in a while. Easily enough, one could immediately point the finger at the manager and place the responsibility of riding that ship on him alone. I myself have been guilty of said accusations often this year. But is it an issue that can be boiled down to simply bad management? Is it bad luck? How much of it factors in struggles at the plate as opposed to pitching? Texas finished their 102 loss season in 2021 with a 15-19 in one-run finishes. They finished 7-6 and six in the same situation in the COVID-shortened 2020 season. So make no mistake, it's a matter that has gone definitely worse for a team that is trying to turn the corner into competition. It's a very frustrating problem to deal with. The Texas Rangers are almost a really good baseball team. And yes, they need better pitching and corner outfield depth and so on and so forth. However, if you completely flip the script to a 22-5 record in one-run games, which, yes, would be insanely fortunate and probably top the league, but humor me, the Rangers would be within a few games of the Astros in first. Even a marginal improvement to, say, 11-16 probably has them still in the thick of the wildcard hunt. It's a frustrating problem to have. On the one hand, you're building a team to compete soon, there are still levels of development, trades, and acquisitions to go before the Rangers are able to square up with the league's big boys. But one can't help but wonder what a 2022 Texas Rangers squad that at least sometimes comes through on the thin ice would look like. Why are they so unlucky, and how do they fix it? To find the answer to this conundrum, let's hit up Old Reliable and do the math. Would you be surprised to learn that the Texas Rangers offense actually ranks fourth in all of baseball in nine, ninth inning runs scored this year? In fact, they average .45 runs per nine innings. Essentially, every other game in which the Rangers hit in the ninth, they're scoring a run. For a team with such a dismal record in close games, that's promising the slightest. In 2021, Texas ranked dead and last in the majors when they put up 1.07 runs per game in the seventh to ninth innings of offense. This year, they are 13th in the league at 1.3. The team is on pace to finish with about the same amount of run-run finishes. So there is tangible improvement in that area. The Rangers currently have a better OPS than San Diego and Tampa Bay, who are both playoff competitors. So we can feasibly assess that it's not the offense anchoring down this fiasco. So now let's flip the script. 
Texas allows .91 runs per game in the 8th and ninth innings combined, which is good for worst in the American League West and 7th worst in baseball. We already know how dire the need to address pitching is for this team. It's no secret, and it's cost them a great deal of momentum in a year that has shown flashes of promise and electricity that fans haven't felt in years. Martin Perez has been a shutdown pitcher this year, borderline untouchable in most of his starts. John Gray had a catastrophic start to the season with bad injury luck, but he's bounced back with a 6-1 record, 185 ERA, and a .94 whip in his last seven starts. The Rangers' bullpen is not bad. They've overperformed to an almost silly degree at points, but they are not the dumpster fire a lot of fans might think of at face value. Pretty much all of their bullpen rankings fall amongst the middle of the pack in the majors. 12th in ERA, 15th in whip, 13th in strikeouts, and 16th in earned runs allowed. They're fine. And let me be perfectly clear when I say that I don't wish to come across as deflecting, because even as a podcaster who tries to be as objective as possible to stay reputable, I've been frustrated with many of the shortcomings of this team this year. I want fun, competitive baseball deep into the fall, back in my veins, just as much as any of you do. The answer to getting over this hump is simple. The team just needs more reliable arms. It's a dead horse, and I get it. The Rangers have Gray, Perez, and a whole lot of inconsistency everywhere else. Matt Moore has been phenomenal with a 247 ERA this year, but for every Matt Moore, there's a Taylor Hearn. 1.649 whip against 325 batters face to swing right back. You can pin the blame on manager Chris Chris Woodward and say a 522 one-run record falls on team discipline. Fine. You can blame it on the front office and anticipate getting better players. Also fine. But the cold, hard truth of not having a really competitive pitching staff, particularly one half of a legitimate rotation, is that two to three of every five games the Rangers simply cannot enter the ring with American League competitors like New York, Houston, Seattle, and Toronto, who have circumstantially spent the last few seasons building up fearful rotations. Texas can and barely well should enter that conversation in the next few years with prospects like Leiter, Rocker, and Wynn on the way, not to mention some money to spend in the winter still. The aforementioned must be factored into these close closes losses. <clears throat> these teams are equipped to win in close games and do it frequently. And Texas simply is not. The Yankees and Astros have surged with an astounding amount of comeback and close wins this year. And it is due to their careful crafting of depth in, a ne- in nearly every position. The Rangers have some pieces of the puzzle, but they're just not there yet. I choose to believe this will resolve itself in time. I don't think Chris Woodward has instilled the proper mentality in this team of never, ever quitting. Not to sound facetious. I think the Rangers, more than any specific positional upgrade, need an injection of energy and spirit so badly. A competitive manager has his team. Roster be damned, ready to go out there and strap in for nine innings of war any given night. This team, for lack of a better term, sometimes seems to just go throughout the motions and rely on pure skill alone to get the job done. They're placing a lot of trust in young guys like Laody Tavares and Josh Smith, which is great. But again, there's two sides to that coin. And unfortunately, many of the younger investments on the mound simply can't compete with their opponents who are a couple of steps ahead in terms of organizational competitive competitiveness. 
I leave you with a reminder that getting better players will also do you some favors. Chris Young is getting the Texas Rangers better players, so help is on the way. Let us know in the comments section below your thoughts on the topics we cover. How do you think the Rangers can improve their one-run dilemma? And as always, give us a thumbs up if you like our videos. Subscribe to the channel for even more content. And hit that bell notification button to be notified of future videos. And now, our next topic. The Rangers get an update on Josh Jones. The Texas Rangers' first real series out of the All-Star break against the bottom-dwelling Oakneys didn't go so well. However, the team did at least end up getting some good news about their top position player prospect, Josh Jung, over the weekend. Athletic Texas Rangers beat reporter Levi Weaver said that Josh Jung could see some action this season in the minor leagues. That is major news, considering most fans didn't expect him to take the field after tearing his LeBron during the offseason. Here's where I think Jung will end up for some playing time in 2022. For those who don't know, Josh Jung was deadlifting during the preseason workouts and suffered a torn labrum, which has kept him out for most of the season. It was the right thing that immediately shut him down for the season, as they don't want anything to affect his baseball career. What position will he play for the Rangers this season? Well, most likely it'd be a DH if he, doesn't, if he does end up getting some reps this season, as Weaver suggests. This is the smartest way to ease him back into baseball activities after surgery and some rehab. The bat has always been his best attribute, and hopefully he'll get a chance to prove that to us once again this year. Where will they send him? It's a very good question, as the Rangers' front office probably wants to keep an eye on his recovery. He played for both Round Rock and Frisco last season, and he was close to making the Rangers' roster last season. He almost certainly would have made it this season had it not been for his injuries. If you want my two cents, I think he will get some swing to Frisco this season. This makes sense for two reasons. The Rangers can keep an eye on him and easily shut him down if they feel he's not doing well at the plate. Getting his timing right against low-level competition in Delhi as opposed to AAA could help with his back as well. The other reason is that the Rough Riders need some bats after J.P. Martinez was promoted to AAA. I know Jung is probably not happy that 2022 season went the way that it did for him. Probably envisioned playing with the Rangers at the beginning of the season. And a simple workout derailed those plans. Hopefully his rehab will go well. Potentially see him playing third or first base with the Rangers next season. And now on to our next topic. Making an argument for and against Juan Soto trade. Stranger's Twitter was sent into a frenzy Sunday afternoon when John Heyman of the New York Post and MLB Network decided to drop a nuke, announcing the Texas Rangers as the leading favorites to land national superstar Juan Soto. The 23-year-old two-time All-Star reportedly rejected a 15-year, $440 million extension from the Nats front office this spring, leading to a jumble of rumors throughout the league that have eyes glued to the trading block. Juan Soto might be getting traded. Soto has cemented his spot among the league's great players with, shall we say, a complete jaw-dropper of a resume. Aside from being one of the most sure of himself and enjoyable personalities in the game today, he's a two-time All-MLB first-teamer, two-time Silver Slugger winner, home-run derby champion, 
and National League batting champion. He has the second highest on-base percentage in baseball since 2018, trailing only Mike Trout. He plays on a team on the East Coast in a league opposite of Texas. So as I'm sure some listeners here are not fully aware of his skill set and production outside of being a household name. I'll save some of the statistics for our next segment. Needless to say, he's a stud. Texas wants to be players at the highest stakes table. The front end, the front office, excuse me, has unilaterally pushed away from a complacency of mediocrity. So regardless of fit, and Juan Soto fits the team like a damn glove. The organization will be pushing hard to acquire him. Make no mistake about it, the Rangers do not have the most enticing package to offer Washington as a primary suitor in these negotiations. However, as there are arguments for and against trade book valid in their own right, one thing that cannot be questioned is the Rangers' push to improve and compete as quickly as possible under the new guidance of sophomore general manager Chris Young. The Rangers may not be the certifiable front runners in the Soto sweepstakes, but they are, by all accounts, in the mix. Were they to pull it off, it would almost certainly go down as one of the most, most earth-shattering trades in franchise history, which means there are quite a few factors to discuss. So, what Juan Soto brings to the Texas Rangers. Let's start with what he does better than anyone. He gets on base. Juan Soto and walks go together like peanut butter and jelly. As of this episode, the All-Star break, he leads Major League Baseball with 79 walks. Only four of those 79 have been intentional. He has the most walks of any player since his debut in 2018. Almost 50 more than Bryce Harper in second. In this dead ball era, one could argue that simply getting on base is the most effective way to win games through your offense. The Astros, Yankees, Cubs, and Dodgers all rank among the top six teams in both walks drawn and winning percentage since 2015. It's not all about hits. Just ask the Rockies, who lead the National League in team hits during that span, and have next to zero playoff success to show for it. Yes, there are outliers to primarily drawing walks as your piece de resistance, but there's a reason guys like Bregman, Harper, Trout, Votto, and Freeman rank among the league's best when it comes to plate discipline. Soto clears that group. The Rangers have walked less than 23 of the 29 other clubs in baseball this year. When your team batting average floats around 240, like Texas does, you could so, so badly behoove from placing a guy like him at the top of your lineup. Soto's 968 OPS ranks first in the National League since his debut and third in the majors. If you choose not to pitch to him, he's going to work his way to first base. If you choose to gamble, he'll probably lose by putting anything in his zone. He's going to accumulate even more bases with the power in his bat. His UZR rating in the outfield has improved significantly since switching from left to right field in 2021. He's racked up a career 21 War three months before his 24th birthday. He swings at less than 22% of pitches outside of his strike zone, ranking among the league's best. All of these numbers add up to one phenomenal baseball player. You could make the argument Soto would instantly become the best Texas Ranger since Hamilton or Beltre. Wins above replacement is not just some stat for nerds to fawn over. It matters to show how much value these players bring to winning. 
Juan Soto is a winning baseball player, and he will bring that winning formula to the Texas Rangers. So what do the Texas Rangers bring to the table? The Texas Rangers are 41 and 49 as of this episode with the all-star game on in the background. I'm sad that Julio Rodriguez has been summoned as the next certified Rangers punisher. Those 41 or 49 Rangers probably aren't making the playoffs this year. There were multiple, shoot, a plethora of opportunities to hit 500 and make a push this year. Texas failed and cooled themselves off at nearly every turn. It's been an emotional roller coaster every year, but they couldn't be in a better spot to make a move like this when it comes to organizational direction. Soto or no Soto, the Rangers do not need to throw the kitchen sink with the intention of making a playoff run this fall. The team is not ready yet. They lack three, arguably four, reliable rotation pieces for the foreseeable future. They are not fully healthy, and two of their biggest offensive producers early on, and Cole Calhoun and Adolis Garcia, have become non-factors at the plate in July. What Texas does, does have is a flurry of left-handed bats in their lineup, including scorching shortstop and permanent fixtures of new-era Texas baseball, Corey Seager. Such a flurry, in fact, that the team ranks fourth in the majors in left-handed at-bats. Texas slugs phenomenally well through the lefty hitters, hitting the American League in hits, home runs, and runs batted in from that side of the plate. They also rank third in the AL in a left-hand walks drawn. Soto can only bolster those numbers with his production in the box. The Rangers also have a glaring need upgrade at the corner outfield spot. The middle infield is set in stone. Nathaniel Lowe, despite some pitiful defensive numbers, has the bat to hold it down at first for a while. One of Jung Smith Duran will corner him opposite. Jonah Heim has emerged as one of the best catchers in baseball. Tavares, brimming with confidence and finally ready to serve at the MLB level, should be your everyday center field going forward. This leaves the corner spots to Adolis Garcia and a rotation of Cole Calhoun and Ben Miller, the latter of whom is having a career low at the plate. By disastrous measurements. Calhoun turns 35 in October, but he's shown us some stellar highlights with his glove this year. I have to imagine a Soto trade inevitably involves moving Garcia, because if he stays, Soto is your guy and right. This requires a Dolus to make his second positional change in the outfield in two years. Just like Simeon and Seeger, a Soto acquisition lets the Rangers have long-term stability at one specific position, something they have severely lacked in recent years. If Soto chooses that he would rather commit to making it work out with the team he's known his entire career, that's a completely fair sentiment. But with the Nationals eating some nasty contracts right now and Steven Strasburg and Patrick Corbin and many pieces of the championship team having already departed, it may be a minute before he gets to provide active value to a team other than simply showing up being great, and losing at the behest of his teammates and organizations. The Rangers are trending upwards. The Nationals are trending downwards. Juan Soto is a Scott Boras client. Boras and the Rangers are two peas in a pod. Money, money, money. Lastly, if the Rangers do execute a trade for Soto, they'll be the ones to extend him, and though I am no insider, I would find it outrageous if any team other than Washington would offer him a contract anywhere near 14 to 15 years. You never know in this day and age of players negotiating salaries higher than the GDPs of small countries, especially for a Boras client. 
but the Rangers could probably work their way down to somewhere around $30 million for 10 to 12 years. Soto regressing into an albatross would be a downfall of historic proportions. There is no gamble in a contract like that for a player of his caliber, especially if you have set your team up to compete for championships within the next five years. This is a wonderful situation for the Rangers to be in. But you also got to ask, what's the risk for both Juan Soto and the Rangers? The most obvious hesitance towards a Soto to Texas deal is that it requires a steep investment. So steep, in fact, that the Rangers would have to dig into one of their healthiest farm systems in decades. Young and John Daniels' partnership as the forefront of Rangers management these last 18 months has been nothing short of an outstanding success. Despite last year's hellish tank and the team so close right on the cusp of contention this season, the moves being made are propelling the team into a new chapter. Filled with hope and ambition, feelings we haven't had in Arlington towards the long-term future in a really long time. Texas has two of the most enticing pitching arms in the country, Kumar Rocker and Jack Leiter, both of whom will be pitching in the majors in less than two full seasons. They have turned Laoti Tavares into not only a serviceable, but confident and productive MLB hitter. They hauled in Josh Smith and Ezekiel Duran, who have both shown flashes of brilliance in their Rangers debuts. From a Joe Galli, excuse me, from a Joey Gallo trade that initially left many fans, including myself, somewhat puzzled. They have an MLB ready bat in Josh Jung whenever he completes rehabbing his shoulder in his fall. Juan Soto means a couple of those guys have to go. Not all, but some. So where does that leave the team? Rhetorically speaking, sitting idle and waiting for players to develop and spending all your money once they all flourish means years of more tanking and depleted interest in a losing team. Rushing guys severely hurts their chances of finding stability in the league. When Texas signed Simeon and Seager in November, it wasn't a desperation move to try to win instantly. That was a strategic strike to lock up two cornerstones in the lineup for the next five to seven years as the team starts to churn out some of these prospects. My thoughts, Juan Soto being paired with Simeon and Seager, who have both enjoyed punctual resurgences this summer after hefty paydays, makes this offense one of the most potent in the league on paper. The Texas Rangers want to win. In order to win, bad average teams need to acquire better players. As good as Juan Soto is hitting at baseballs, is probably not going to require a package that requires each and every one of the Rangers' high-ceiling prospects. However, I also believe that when players like Soto become available, there is no asking price too high. The Rangers haven't won a playoff series since the 2011 ALCS. They haven't won a playoff game since 2015. They haven't posted a winning season since 2016. I can't encourage fans enough to get excited about deals like this. Even if Soto ends up going to Los Angeles and New York or somewhere with much greener pastures, that the fact that the Rangers are in a spot to throw their hat in the ring for players as good as Juan Soto, while at the same time continue to construct a team that cares about producing young, homegrown talent alongside proven veterans is not something that should be taken for granted. So let us know in the comments section below. Do you think the Rangers should trade for Juan Soto? Oh. Who do you think we should uh, offer them? Let us know in the comments section below. As always, if you want to support the channel, you can buy us a coffee at buymeacoffee.com slash ttrangers. Your support helps the channel grow, upgrade our equipment, bring new hosts, be able to pay them. 
And as always, thank you so much for watching and listening. We will see you next time. This has been the Talking Texas Rangers podcast. Let us know your thoughts on the topics we covered by tweeting us at Talking TX Rangers or liking us on Facebook at facebook.com forward slash Talking Texas Rangers. As always, thank you for listening and go Rangers. Mary redeemed a $50,000 cash prize playing Chumba Casino online. I was only playing for fun, so winning was a dream come true. Chumba Casino is America's favorite free online social casino. You too could have the chance to win life-changing cash prizes. Absolutely anybody could be like Mary. Be like Mary. Log on to ChumboCasino.com and play for free now. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. The voice of the preceding commercial was not the actual voice of the winner.